0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. And this is an emergency Hangout in the Holy Land of the variety of, oh shit, Urban Meyer just retired. And so we are here tonight recording this podcast on the day of Urban Meyer's retirement after the Rose Bowl game. My name is Colton Denning. I am your host and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. And we have a special guest tonight, my former co-host and still current SB Nation colleague Matt Brown. Guys, we got a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was um it was a fun day. <laughs> was, Man, I, I woke, was
2: so much for having the day off, right?
1: Yeah, then, I woke I, up I, at, I was
2: hoping for a quiet
1: <laughs> I woke up at noon and my phone had I think more notifications than I've ever seen on it.
0: I found out because my mom texted me, and I, I'm on Pacific time, so I got my text at five in the morning, and it oh just said, God. "Urban to retire after Rose Bowl," and that's like the first thing I saw when I woke up, and I was just like, "Ah, oh, okay, well, looks like shit hit the fan." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was a wild day, and Matt wanted to come onto the podcast and talk about everything that has gone on today. And we're going to break this down from as many angles as we can and talk about Urban Meyer's career at Ohio State, uh, now that Ryan Day is officially the head coach for the Buckeyes going forward. And Matt, I want to kick it off with you and see where you want to start with this thing, because there's really a, a lot of layers to get to when it comes to this.
2: Yeah, actually, it's okay with you, Jen. I'd like to start talking about Ryan Day. You know, we, we're still... The, the the career of Urban Meyer, but you know what he means on the football field, what he means for Ohio State institutionally, what he means for all of the myriad off the field stuff. Like this is a this is a pretty friggin' multi layered onion that we're gonna want to peel back. here, I think here for a while. But I, I'm I'm the more that I think about Ryan Day, the more really interested I am in how this is gonna go because he's so atypical. I think from what. Ohio State coaches have looked like over over the while. It, it is it's kind of wild when you think about this, right? Like I, I've, been, I've been studying college football nationally here, and Ohio State has had a lot of stability at this at this position. There's only been a handful of coaches since like 1950, and uh, with the exception of John Cooper, all of them have been. Extremely Ohioan. They haven't necessarily coached at Ohio State beforehand, but they've been from they've been from Ohio. They've been they've coached at Ohio institutions from, a, from a, you know a, a formative age. They are steeped in what it means to what, what Ohio State means, what the Ohio State's rivalries mean, the the importance of this institution, the importance of how it relates to high school football, the other institutions throughout the state. It really. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably inarguable that the Ohio State University is probably the single biggest cultural institution throughout the entire state, even if you're not really a football fan. It kind of, it's tentacles hit everything. And that's not who Ryan Day is. Ryan Day is not from uh, Youngstown. He's not from Ashtabula. He's from New Hampshire, which is like the opposite of college football country. He hasn't coached at Ohio institutions before. He's, he's, his background has been in the Northeast and in the NFL. And uh, the, the one guy that we've had in Columbus, you know, over the last 50 years that didn't really hit, fit that profile was John Cooper. You know, Cooper, I, I think Cooper was from Tennessee. Uh, he coached out west, you know, at Tulsa, at Arizona State, and, and hadn't really had that, that Ohio, Ohio perspective. And he's a coaching hall of famer. You know, by, all, by every level, he's been an extremely successful successful coach, but I don't think he was ever fully embraced by Ohio State like all the other ones were. And, of course, he struggled to beat Michigan. So I I don't know. Maybe you guys feel differently about what the trajectory of of day or or how optimistic you are that he's going to be successful. You know, it's interesting. I think if we had talked a year ago and tried to pick, you know, to describe what we thought the background of the next Ohio State coach was going to look like, it probably wouldn't look like this. So it would probably be somebody more like Campbell or probably be somebody one of the other, you know, dozens of college football coaches that have ties to the state or institution and wouldn't ever be considered a a plausible nfl flat and that's not what what day is uh and it's going to be interesting to see how this fan base uh and the the, the state embraces
1: him I, i think that you know he kind of addressed that a little bit in his his press conference i think that he's aware that there's not necessarily a fear from ohio state fans about his lack of ohio ties but more a um just some some trepidation about it and he mentioned the you know his his quote that people are glomming on to about beating michigan and how that's the the most important thing at ohio state and the second most important thing is to win every other game and he seems to be leaning really heavily on his you know connection with urban meyer obviously is a very strong connection seeing as how they've, they've coached with each other for the past two years but uh, it seems like he's he's trying to in press conference, and obviously we don't know a ton about how he actually handles himself in press conferences because he's only done a couple of them. But it it, it seems like he's trying to endear himself in that way of you know not being an outsider, of knowing Ohio State from his time here, while still also not necessarily having those those direct built-in ties. But I, I do think that spending some time at Ohio State is is helping him there. So it's not necessarily the, the Cooper-esque where he's just coming in completely unaffiliated. And um, he, he seemed to be pushing pretty hard on on that in his, his opener.
0: And that's probably what's most palatable for a lot of people who would be, is opposed the right word to this type of hire, like you guys are saying, where it's for all intents and purposes, it's it's an outsider because it's. I think you, you look at a couple of different fronts here. Not only have we already seen him as the acting head coach for this team to start the season, so people kind of have an idea. He's been around the program a couple of years. He's already acted like the face of it, even if it's in a limited amount of time. And to something that's maybe a little bit conspiracy theory-ish, is I I would be interested to know and this is something where Gene Smith gave Ari Wasserman a shout out about this at the press conference and his reporting all season that this was to be the plan I would be interested to hear or know who the source of that was and whether that was sort of carefully done that in case this were to happen, that they've already floated, they already had this idea out to the public. This has already been something that we have talked about that the fan base has discussed because this is something that has been reported on for the last three months that, hey, if Urban Meyer goes, this is the position they could be in. Ryan Day's the number one guy. And even though Smith... Meyer and everybody else wanted to say, hey, there's no truth to that. We haven't had those discussions. At the end, this is this ends up what happens, and maybe it's not like that if it were a guy like Luke Fickle, but for an outsider like Day, maybe that was something they needed to do and something that they prepared for. Maybe a little bit conspiracy theory-ish, but I, I definitely think that that's something to look at and say that, hey, we've been having these conversations for at least... Three or four months, and so it makes sense. Rather than just out of the blue, Urban Meyer retiring and them saying, "Oh, hey, by the way, Ryan Day is not only our interim; he's the guy going forward." We also just gave him a contract extension.
2: I don't think that's a that's that's a conspiracy or anything. I mean, that that's often how these sorts of things go, right? Assuming that this source was somebody, you know, w- within the Ohio State Athletic Administration, which I think it would kind of have to be, unless it came from from Meyer's camp. People you know, that stuff gets reported because. <laughs> Yeah, right. It gets reported because somebody somewhere wants that information to get out. And, you know, occasionally you have camps with competing agendas, and that's how you have stories that come out that, that you don't want. But I, I think that that explanation is completely plausible. And, you know, Ari is a, a very good reporter um, and, uh, you know, is able to, to beat other people to that story. That, that's certainly interesting. I'm, I'm also really interested to, about to figure out what exactly a day – Coaching administration really looked like, right? You know, in, in this in this press conference, he talked a, a lot about wanting to maintain and continue and have continuity with a lot of things that had happened before. You know, the the, the brain trust of the uh, the the, the, staff, the administrative staff with, with Meyer, with your strength coach and your director of recruiting, these dudes are all staying. You know, Mariotti and and and, Dant- and are all still with the program. The, the other non-coaches are still going to be there, and my my gut. Uh, much to the chagrin of probably this podcast and people yeah. <laughs> who regularly read Land Grant, I don't think there's going to be a ton of gigantic assistant coaching changes in the, in, in the, in the short term. I could, I could be wrong. You know, Dave, Dave is close to some of these people. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But like, we don't exactly know what like Orion day offensive philosophy looks like. We know he's a chip Kelly guy. You know, he, he, he played under that system. He's, you know, he's, coached with him uh, a long time. So, you know, we can kind of infer that he thinks tempo is important, um, that he has some connection to spread offenses, although that's basically three quarters of every football coach at this point. But if you look at what he did at Temple and what he did at Boston College, you know, they, they were really pretty different things. You know, he, he's had successful offenses at BC with a, a spread to run with mobile quarterback kind of system. He's had success with more traditional drop back passers. You look at the guys that Ohio State's recruited at quarterback under Day. Like they've been different kind of guys. So you know, on one hand, I guess you can look at this and say, "Hey, he's willing to let let personnel dictate scheme." And you have to do that when you're a coordinator, and you don't really get to pick exactly what, what the direction your program goes. But I don't know if he can say for certain exactly what he wants to do. What is the Ryan Day defensive philosophy? What what how is Ryan Day's recruiting philosophy going to going to change, if at all? From what Meyer did, I mean, it probably has to change because nobody's going to be able to recruit exactly the same clip uh, that he did, unless Ohio State starts starts cheating a little bit more. You know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm optimistic that this is going to work out well, and and part of that is just because I think the, the floor is so high at Ohio State that if even you know, if you're an above average coach, you're gonna, you should be able to fall out of bed and win nine games, but. The more I think about it, the more I think this is maybe a little bit more risky uh, than than, maybe we thought a a little while ago, just because there's a lot of things that I don't know if we can conclusively state we know. We know Gene Smith and Irving Meyer are confident in this guy. We know other coaches throughout the industry really like him. But what exactly this is going to look like and and how they're going to handle adversity and and how this is going to be different, how long we know
1: that yet? Yeah, and I, I think that with the you mentioned the offensive scheme thing, that's something that really interests me as as someone who does a film study, and that's about the the extent of my my football knowledge. But you know, talking about the Boston College offense that he ran, talking about the Temple offense that he ran, I think that that not to go too much back into the presser kind of relates to what he said about not necessarily having a set scheme kind of changing around the personnel and that's something that every coach says but it seems like he actually lives that it it seems like he actually stays true to the idea of adjusting scheme not maybe fully because I don't think anybody can do that but adjusting scheme adjusting play calling around the talent that you have at quarterback at running back on the line whatever it may be and I think that a pretty good test of what his scheme will be will be you know, next season when presumably Tate Martell is the quarterback or Matt Baldwin is the quarterback, both of whom are different guys from Dwayne Haskins, both of whom are very different kind of players from Dwayne Haskins. And um, I think that a, a good chunk of Ohio State's offense this season, if not all of it, was designed by Ryan Day. And it'll be very interesting to see what, an offense designed by Ryan Day for Tate Martel looks like or what an offense designed by Ryan Day for Matt Baldwin looks like and if he is really going to just go at it year by year based on the personnel that they have or if he does have more of a tie towards like a, an NFL style spread where he, there's there's more passing there's more downfield stuff there's more play action or if he still has the Chip Kelly style offense where there's more option things like that, and I'm I'm interested to see if he if he will just change his offense every year based on personnel, or if he'll he'll have kind of a a safe home that he likes to stick to.
0: And from the macro level, that's the most fascinating thing to me about this whole situation because whether it was Ryan Day or somebody else, if it were a Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, maybe not Fickle, but Almost anybody else, this is really the first time we can look at Ohio State football in, what, six years, seven years and say, huh, we're about to see something new. And this like unknown, so many other schools, so many other high-level schools jump into the unknown with such frequency that when you have the type of security that Ohio State's had for basically, like you said, Matt, the better part of the last 50 years— you get used to it, and you don't think like, oh, man, we had this guy fail after three years. What's the next guy going to bring? And obviously, Meyer didn't fail at all, but this just goes back to we're at a point in Ohio State football now where even though Day has been on staff, we just don't really know exactly what the vision is for the future. And and what's
2: wild is that not only has Ohio State had a lot of consistency in terms of, having successful coaches and typically having coaches who are there for a while, uh, before, as I wrote for information.com today, they invariably to get fired. Um, but there's also been, you can kind of draw a straight line really from like mid 1950s Woody to today. And you'll find that these pro, the, the blueprint for success for these programs shares a lot of similarities. You know, some things have been very different, right? The, the, the tempo that Urban Meyer was running for most of his, his era pretty different from what a lot of other Ohio State coaches have. But, it, the, you know, the, the Ohio State has historically been a uh, a, a run-to-pass program, uh, and one that was, that you know, back from when Tiger Allison was coming up there, incorporated kind of the basics of like a spread-to-run kind of offense. They have uh, historically focused very heavily on recruiting and dominating recruiting within Ohio and that greater region before expanding to uh, Florida and Texas and California, you know, a little bit more recently along the East Coast, um, and, and one that's, you know, that's been able to run the football between the tackles and been able to stop that run. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a, a blueprint for the kind of play that you see in the Big Ten. Now, the, the formations that you would see under Woody Hayes and what you saw under Jim Trestle and what you saw under Cooper weren't the same. Uh, but, but a, a lot of those fundamentals were and, and that that's changed a little bit recently as Ohio State's gone to more national recruiting, and uh, Ohio State changed some things here with with, uh, with with some of their scheme, especially this year. If they've thrown the ball w- way more than they have historically. so that that's that's going to be an interesting thing. I, I, I'm a little, you know again, it goes back to my curiosity about not being an Ohio will Ohio State fans be willing to tolerate a guy? Having a down year and you know going eight and none that, you know, winning eight and nine games, losing to Michigan and having these things—if it's a kind of football that doesn't look like Ohio State football to them—I think that was part of the reason why this year might have been such a struggle for some of us to watch, because it didn't look like the Ohio State teams that we're used to. Just like you know, Michigan fans, I think, especially freaked out when they, you know, when they were struggling under Rich Rodriguez, not just because the team wasn't very good, but it didn't look like Michigan football. This might look, you know, Ryan Day might make things look like what we perceive Ohio State football to look like. It might be something completely different. Who the hell knows? Like that's that's why the next couple of years are going to be so interesting. Like this, this is a it's a fascinating arc.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm interested in what the the blowback, like you mentioned, looks like if Ryan Day does have a down year. And I, I think a down year at Ohio State is like eight and four, nine and three, which is it's crazy to say about any. College football program that a down year is eight and four, nine and three, but that's just the way things are at Ohio State. And like you mentioned, the Ohio, the Ohio and the Ohio State connections aren't there for day, and he won't have that to to save him if there is a down year. And obviously, he has a pretty large contract. I think it was four point five mil over five years, and I imagine that the buyout with that is pretty hefty um, for. A number of reasons NFL included um, and for the fact that he's getting a lot of money and I'm interested in what the reaction would be to someone who isn't a you know a a native son to so to speak or isn't so entrenched in the program and I'm I'm sure that he'll endear himself to the fan base if they have a great season in year one or if they have a great season in year two but I, I do think that the almost natural love that was there for Urban Meyer from the fan base pretty much immediately upon his arrival isn't – that not that it's not there for Ryan Day because I think that Ohio State fans are generally still on Urban's side and willing to trust his judgment on this. But I, I do think that people could turn on Ryan Day if he has a bad year, and I, I think that he's going to do really well. At Ohio State but I also think that that's something to to consider with this and is that it's you know it's really territory that Ohio State hasn't been in for an extremely long time hiring someone who's doing things differently who does things differently than what Ohio State traditionally does and I I do think that we might be maybe overshooting how different Ryan Day is I'm not I'm not entirely sure that he's he's going to bring like an air raid to a higher state or anything. I think there still will be a, a significant running attack. I think that um, it would certainly be nice if he goes out and gets a, a good defensive coordinator instead of Greg Schiano. but I, I can't imagine him trying to reinvent the wheel. I, I think that it could be a lot like, um, and this is a, an easy comparison to make, but I think it could be a lot like the Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma situation where things really aren't all that different from the way that the program was run under Bob Stoops as they are under Lincoln Riley now, and I think it could be a similar thing with with Ryan Day, and that could be something that he uses not just to keep himself stable at Ohio State but to not try to fix something that isn't broken. Ohio State's program itself has issues coaching-wise, be it on the the staff or just with – um, some nepotism issues that popped up later on in the Urban Meyer era. But it's not a broken program. They won 12 games this year. It's it's still a very, very good top five football program. And I, I don't think that if Ryan Day just comes in and tries to keep it going, I think that he could stay relatively stable and win 11, 12 games a year. That That feels pretty realistic with where the program is. And that
0: seems like why this was such an obvious choice, at least from what they talked about and why they reiterated that so much. And it feels like they're at the point in the administrators, Gene Smith, and everybody else calling the shots. They understand that the talent right now on this roster, the way that the program's built, the infrastructure that's there, whether it's guys on the inside like Mickey Marotti, Mark Pantoni, whoever it may be, that's stable. That's as stable as it's ever going to be. And as great of a hire as bringing Luke Fickle back would be, he's been away from the program for a few years. As great as Campbell would have been, that would have been a major step up. And there would have been some reshuffling within the program. And I, I think that they realize where they're at just on a program-wide basis. And they just kind of looked at it like, okay, we've, we've been grooming this guy. And he's already been the interim head coach. Let's make this happen. And maybe for us, it feels like an unknown, but it seems like to them, it, it seems more like a hey, you know what? It's his first head coaching job. He's thirty nine years old, but this was the plan all along. This is what we want. We're going to make it happen. The program's just going to continue on as it has since Meyer was here.
2: Yeah, I I I, I get that plan, and uh, I. I, it seems like we're all pretty much on the same wavelength that this, this will probably work. Maybe I'm, you know, a little bit more skeptical, not not because I think it's a bad hire, you know, given the choice between those three candidates this is probably the one I would pick too. There's just a lot that's, 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 uh, that's unknown. It, 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 the direction that the school goes in the recruiting will also be really interesting because projecting what, you know, there's some team people are going to leave in the NFL draft and, Maybe some we don't know exactly, and we don't know exactly what the what the coaching staffs going to look like. You know, if I if I put an over under on two new faces, um, I would guess either one of Kevin Wilson or Greg Shannon does not return, but probably one of them will. Um, but this this team should be really good again next year. If like they're going to return most of the defense, Draymond Jones probably leaves, um, but you have the bulk of the highest rated recruiting class. Plat- you know, of a, from a secondary. They, uh, they were up and down this year, but they're almost all coming back. Almost all of your linebackers are coming back. You have some some uh, you know freshman defensive linemen that couldn't crack the rotation now that you would have a reason to be excited about. You lose a bunch of wide receivers, but you have a bunch of other production like that's the consequence of throwing the ball 50 times a game Is you're still going to have a lot of people who've had experience catching the ball and a really good running back. So if there's you know you get 80% of the quarterback play before and you might still have on paper, the favorite to win the big 10 next season. Um, so, so that, that's all, I know that's all going to help that you had two loaded recruiting classes coming in, but the 2019 class looks to be a pretty significant step back. Um, and I'm not really sure what 2020 is going to end up looking like. There's a lot of highly rated people, you know, committed right now, but that's a, that's a long way away. Um, and, uh, I think if you, there's probably going to be a step down just because, maintaining the level that Ohio State had from 2016 and 20, like 2017, 2018 it's almost impossible like even unless you're Alabama um, you know the years of Ohio State perennially being a top three recruiting team may be replaced by them being a top eight or a top 10 recruiting team and that's where we're going to really see the direction this program goes um, you know that, that's still blue chip ratio that's still championship quality it may not quite be quite the same level as it was before and that might be okay you know if you're a top Ten recruiting class, and you replace a couple of those high four stars from Florida with high three stars from Ohio, and they develop pretty well. That might be okay. I don't know. It's going to be uh, it's going to be an, in- an, in- an interesting thing there. I, 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 the program is not going to look exactly the way that it did before, but but maybe that's okay. Maybe maybe an outsider, especially after this last year and all the baggage that came with this program, maybe somebody completely different is is what the fan base
1: actually. I'm interested in what both of your first reactions to this this news today was, and uh, what your your snap reaction was to just seeing be it on your Twitter timeline and in Slack or in Colton's case on the messages app from your mom. Um, I, I <laughs> just whatever the you know your your first thought was when you saw it because my my initial, reaction i i don't think it was particularly complex or anything i i don't think that it was it was more than just kind of acceptance and and not not even really surprised cuz i mean we've been talking about this for months now as as something that could happen we've been talking about this really since the the Zach Smith scandal and the suspension back in august and you know at the beginning of the season This has been something that um, we've been saying is a possibility, if not something that would likely happen. And I I don't, it's, you know, he's been obviously extremely successful at Ohio State, winning games recruiting-wise, winning the national title in 2014, winning the Big Ten Championship, now back-to-back years. But, I don't think I was particularly upset about it. I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, cheering or anything either. But I think I'm just kind of at peace with it. I I think that, and the the article that I I wrote about it was basically that it was probably time. It was, you know, health-wise, innovation-wise, just with the way college football is going, it doesn't seem like Urban Meyer has as much of a place in college football anymore. And... I, I think that, with the way that he coaches, with the intensity that he coaches, you really can't go anything less than 100%. And it doesn't seem like he's capable of doing 100%. And I, I think that the timing is right, and it's you know it, it's certainly it's going to be jarring. I think for a couple games to see not Urban Meyer on the sideline, not as an interim replacement either, as a full time you know, Ryan Day is the head coach. And it's it's strange to even really think about with how long Urban Meyer's been here and it, it feels like the seven years that he's been here has been thirty. I mean there there's been so much happening just really since he was hired at Ohio State and I think it'll be certainly different, but I also think that it's, you know, it's a necessary thing to have happen at Ohio State. I, I think that Ohio State and urban meyer both need to to move forward and i, I think that they both recognized that and I, I think that that was my my first reaction was one of just acceptance and understanding that this was necessary and it's not necessarily bad or good it was just a thing that needed to happen
2: so you know selfishly, my first one was ah son of a bitch get my day off. Uh, and, and i i don't get very many of those and like i had you know like a, a big to-do list and yeah, you know, I, I was up at, like, 6 in the morning, and, like, I rolled over just to instinctively check my phone. I'm like, ah, oh, so much for that. Taylor, you know, you got to take the kids to school. i got to go write something. Um, but, you know, I, I, it, I think we're I think actually similar. Like, I'm not, I'm not broken up about this. And, honestly, for me, there's a little bit of relief because, uh, you know, maybe this part of this is just colored by the fact that I work in an office full of Florida grads. Um, and I have had to spend a lot of emotional and, and energy at work really digging into the the big off-season story here and also with what happened at Maryland. And uh, my Urban is not – I mean, I I think this is kind of justifiable here. And prior to this year, Meyer was somebody that was not really well-liked by across college football. Um, I I think there was a lot of ill will towards how things happened at Florida, and history has not been kind uh, with how the end of the Florida era went. But as an Ohio State fan, it was okay that you can think back at this and go, like, yeah, yeah I guess he's a bastard, but he's not a bastard. And uh, he's kicking everybody's butt, and, and that's okay. And after this offseason and after that report, I think, it, for me anyway, it became a little bit harder to kind of reconcile those two things. You know, like, I, I don't expect Ohio State's coach to be a saint. I don't look for a football coach to be, you know, as, a, as a, a fountain of spiritual wisdom or anything, uh, given the way that he talked. Um, you know, I, th- I think it became a little bit harder for me to be as enthusiastically, emotionally all in. So you and I and everyone else and uh, people on espionation.com certainly have written a lot about, hey, uh, this dude just needs to go buy a boat already, <laughs> because because this isn't working. We can, we see the recruiting classes, we see him on the sideline, we see what's happened with these coaches, we see how like half the national media and every other coach in the country is out for blood because you know that he's not exactly the head of the coaching Kiwanis Club. Let's go out with a little bit of dignity, and and I'm glad it happened this way rather than stretching out for three or four years. Because we've seen that a lot in college football. You don't want a Bobby Bowden situation. You don't want a Kansas State situation. Um, you don't want the things you know getting stretched out. And he could have stayed there for as long as he wanted, uh, and this just could have been a lot uglier than it, than it ended up being. So, you know, I'm I'm I am appreciative of everything that happened here. i mean like I started at Land Grant. Like we launched this website, I don't know, like maybe two months after he got hired. Like, you know, I, I was one of the, the first contributors and, and, you know, we kind of covered this whole era and that was really rewarding personally and professionally. It's, it's why I have this job. Right? I, was, uh, I was working in human resources when, the, when this thing started writing, writing everything here at night. So it's a, it's a big end of an era, but I'm glad it's ending this way then Any of the other ways it could have
0: been. I think my first reaction to it was thinking back on the day that he got hired and being so amped up about it. And I remember my dad was watching me and he was like, what are you doing? Why why are you so pumped up about this? I know he won a couple national championships at Florida. And I remember telling him, I was like, this is going to change the program and he looked at me like I was crazy because Ohio State had had so much success under Jim Trestle that it was like you know on a year-to-year basis how much better can they really be and I remember when they beat Alabama in the playoff he texted me and was like I finally get what you mean I remember that day when he got hired and you were talking about that I finally get it and when you look back on this era, it's just really been unprecedented for Ohio state football. And we were spoiled under Jim Trestle. And so it's like even hard to say that we've been spoiled now, whatever beyond that is. So I thought about that a little bit today and like you guys, and probably a lot of other people, it just felt like it was, it was time. And at the end of the day, you look at this and This dude had cysts on his brain and like him coaching the way that he coaches was taking a toll on his life to the point where people around him were like, this is really unhealthy. I think Chris Carter was like, and maybe he was sensationalizing a little bit, was like, I was worried that he was going to die out there on the, on the field. And you don't want anybody to go through that at their place of work. And he does have that reputation and it's been self-admitted that he goes as hard as he can for as long as he can. He's like Jimmy Johnson in that respect. And when he's out of gas, you can really tell that he's out of gas. And it was obvious to see. And I know that Patrick references today. You know, there was a reason that the TV crews were putting that camera on him. Because he was fatigued. And he did look out of sorts. And so, for me, it just all kind of made sense in like, you just hope that, hey, man, just just get away and, and get healthy and do your thing. But I, I think at the end of it, after everything we've heard for the last year, it just makes sense.
1: Yeah, and Matt, you mentioned um, working with a lot of Florida people at .com. And um, I, I talked to Richard Johnson, who's one of the Florida people, a couple weeks ago, I think, for a, a story about how Ohio State sure does look like a lot. Sure does look a lot like late stage Florida did, um, and I think that the the way that Urban Meyer went out obviously is better at Ohio State than he he did at at Florida. He went out on significantly better terms here than he did there. He went out on a twelve and one, what could be a thirteen and one Rose Bowl season here, and it was a disappointing eight and five there. But I I think that there's with that Florida thing, and I'm sure, Matt, you've heard this a ton, uh, with that Florida thing, there are concerns that Ryan Day might be Will Muschamp, that Ohio State might just be the next you know, version of an Urban Meyer school that gets ruined by Urban Meyer for a couple of years and, and has to bounce back from a guy who changes – A program fundamentally who who fundamentally changes the way a school operates around football to to make his style of coaching work. And I don't think that I am as as negative as I was this season. I think at times um, justifiably. I don't think that I'm willing to say that I think you know Ryan Day is Will Muschamp. I think he's going to do really well here, but. There's definitely that concern that Urban Meyer has really never left a place in great shape. He's really never had a a coach succeed him and do a good job of it and and continue his success. Uh, Utah Utah, to an extent. Utah also – Utah's timing was was pretty helpful with the the Pac-10 and then Pac-12. And I I think that – it was Kyle Whittingham that succeeded succeeded him, didn't wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Whittingham – Yeah, go uh, ahead.
2: I'll 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 leave on this because this this was I have a book chapter about this so I didn't make it into my book, Um, but like I I think people are right. You know, Myers left three places. His replacement at Bowling Green uh, didn't didn't really work out. You know, he stuck around for a couple of seasons and and wasn't able to continue that that super high trajectory. Um, I don't know if you could say that Meyer really, you know, kind of gutted that program for parts or anything. Like it was in pretty bad shape when he got there and sustaining that level of, su- that level of success when you're broke in a program conference like the Mac, like that's, that's going to happen. This happens to like every Mac team that births an amazing coach, but you, yeah, I Utah and Meyer wasn't there for that long. Um, they're going to build a statue to Kyle Whittingham. Um, you know, he, and he was the defensive coordinator and the other guys that have replaced um uh, you know, uh, uh, Meyer have have not exactly, you know, followed you know, that, that same footprint, but, um, he improved upon this, uh, on, on, on that success, really. So the, the Pac-12 invite didn't come for like six seasons afterwards, but with, with Whittingham there, I mean, one, he gets them to undefeated and arguably should have won a national title in 2008. And that was with, with almost none of Urban Meyer's players. And they won a bowl game every single year until right before they went to the Pac-12. And, was, and I think that was like five or six seasons, so, you know, there, I, I think you can say, okay, he came in, he changed a lot of what Utah was doing from, uh, from Ron McBride, who, who had actually, you know, enjoyed some success there as well. Utah wasn't a, a barren program or anything. They had just had a couple of tough seasons and then McBride was ready to retire and brought in some really good coaches. And then atypically, they stuck around because that's typically not what happens at a place like Utah. People, you know, Salt Lake, and I, I know this better than anybody else that they're going to come on this podcast isn't for everybody, um, and, and and you know they, they got Whittingham to turn down office from his alma mater a couple of times and stuff. around and did really well. That didn't happen at Florida, and uh, I, I think part of that was because Meyer didn't do a really good job of hiring other assistants after people left. You know, replacing uh, Dan Mullen with Adazio did not work out, and some of the other guys uh, that, that left afterwards because people are going to want to come and get Meyer's assistant didn't work. Um, and you know, Meyer was certainly not in a very healthy mental health you know, headspace at this point. I, I, I think it is fair, in my personal opinion, to look at the downfall in Florida and what might have happened at Ohio State. And say, there's a lot of similarities, but I think there's some there's some key differences here too. Urban Meyer, in 2018 is not sick in the same way as he was in 2009. He didn't have the same level of on, of problems with his players. That he did. I mean, over all the things you can criticize Meyer for in Ohio State, and there are plenty of those. Um, he wasn't recruiting Aaron Hernandez-type kids. Um, there were, you know, there were some people who got in trouble with the law just because it's a big-time program. But I think the caliber of person that he brought into Ohio State and the development of what those players were as human beings was substantially higher. Than it was at Florida uh, and probably at, at Utah too. So while there's some assistant problems, I don't think there's a culture rot like there was in Florida, when you had a bunch of people that just did not like each other and did not, you know, respect their assistants and did not understand what it meant to work for an institution. So when you bring in a guy like Mustam, you're you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna have issues, or you're bringing any other guy for that matter. So I don't know if those similarities are are exactly the same. You hope it's a situation like Utah. Where the program has completely changed its trajectory in a way that's really, I think, a historical. There's you know, class mobility in college football is so rare, and the reason that Utah is where it is today is in large part because of Urban Meyer. Now that they're you know a perennial top thirty program, you know, without getting good, without <laughs> getting blue chip kids, uh, in a city where you know a lot of people don't really want to go, um, and that's 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 what you hope for when you hire somebody like that, gentlemen. I unfortunately. Uh, I have to balance. It has been a pleasure talking with both of you. I hope you guys continue this conversation. Um, and there's going to be a lot to unpack um, from from this decision you know, over the weeks to come. Hopefully, it works out for Ohio State.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot to talk about, Matt. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, before you get out of here, make sure to cop Matt's book, "What If: A Closer Look at College Football's." great questions. You can find it on Amazon, local bookstores. We'll have a link to it in the post if you haven't checked it out. I read it. It's a great book. Thanks to Matt for joining the show. I don't know if I have any more today, Patrick. I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up what we probably will do in the coming days and at least over the next week or so. We'll have another episode where we kind of focus more on talking about Meyer's legacy, take your guys' questions and and comments about what you thought of the Urban Meyer era, how it ended, how you feel about this transition going forward, and kind of where where we're at now, that Ryan Day is the head coach and we'll really dive deeper into the Urban Meyer era and the end of it at Ohio State. What do you think, man?
1: Well, um, (laughs) I, I think that like you said there's there's certainly there's certainly a ton to talk about with with all of this and there's just there's so much so much to unpack from this whole situation from from all of it and there's there are so many complexities to Urban Meyer the person Urban Meyer the coach Ryan Day the person we we really don't know anything about Ryan Day as a person i mean Outside of just <laughs> what we've heard from from press conferences and from like his Wikipedia page, we know that he's um, kind of an NFL guy to an extent. We know that he's a Northeasterner, but outside of that, I, I think that there's so much still left to to be talked about. So much still left to learn about Ryan Day, and it's it's really hard to it's hard to say much definitive about. Um, about the future with this program, and we talked about it with Matt, obviously, how um, there's just – it's a strange kind of – not necessarily completely unseen territory by Ohio State before because, you know, like with John Cooper and and before Woody Hayes, this is not completely unprecedented, but it's it's very different. All of it is very different. It's not really – how things generally happen in college football. There aren't usually endings like like this in college football, where a coach can retire and go out mostly on top. I mean, really, the only <laughs> negatives that Urban Meyer has faced in the past year have been either off the field or from like this podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I think that there's there's so much to so much to unpack with this, and we'll definitely have to do. Um, several shows (laughs) over the next couple days um and we we joked in the last episode that we wouldn't have anything to talk about and maybe urban meyer heard it and thought i'll give these guys some content i'll give these guys who are my close friends that i like very much i'll give them some content and there's um i i still think i have to i have to kind of spend some actual time thinking about the whole situation and, and trying to figure out exactly how I feel about it and thinking towards what the future of Ryan day at Ohio state may look like. And it, it's just, we'll, we'll definitely have to do more episodes on this specific topic. We'll probably get, you know, we'll, we'll ask for questions at some point, but um it's, it's a blessing for content. And I, I think that it could be in the long run, not necessarily a a step forward for Ohio State because I, I, it's, it's hard to top what Urban Meyer did. But I think that, like I said, it's a necessary move. I think it's a necessary step for all involved parties, and I'm excited to see what, what that means at Ohio State, what that means for Ryan Day. Um, just – in general, with the with the football program, I, I like Ohio State football, and I think as an Ohio State football fan, uh, just speaking from a fan perspective, not from a writer perspective, as anything or anything like that, I I like Ryan Day. I like the hire. I, I think that generally speaking, I'm I'm satisfied with this, and I I, I think that that is that's the best way for me to sum up my feelings.
0: The way that I look at it is you said, you know, it may not be a step up, but it's a step and that's something totally new for Ohio state. And it's exciting. And I don't mean in the sense that like, Hey, urban Meyer's gone. This is exciting. Now we can be super positive. That's what we've been wanting all season. Not like, not like that, but it's just like, Whoa, this is a shot in the arm. Like, Holy shit, Ohio state, isn't gonna have Urban Meyer around like this is something we haven't experienced since 2011. It's in seven years in like real lifetime. I guess seems short, but college football, like you said, man, it felt like he was here for 30 years. It felt like he was here for a really really long time. And there is there is a defined Urban Meyer era at Ohio State where whether the success continues by some measure gets even better or drops off that we are going, going to look at this era of Ohio state football as during urban Meyer, before urban Meyer and after urban Meyer, what happened in he's undoubtedly left his mark, not only on Ohio state, but in college football, you know, the success that he had with Florida, he could have retired and gone down as one of the greatest coaches ever there and then he comes and wins 89 games or 81 games in seven seasons at Ohio State. And that that's just something you, you don't see ever. And now Ohio State is just taking a step in a different direction. And it will be very exciting because it's the unknown. And we'll see what happens. And it's going to take a long time to unfold. But we're going to get bits and pieces of it pieces of it with early signing day coming up with the actual signing day you know even stuff like spring practice and big 10 media days everything leading up to the season we're going to find out a little bit more about ryan day about his philosophies whether there's any coaching changes whatever it may be it's just something totally new for ohio state and it's uh it's pretty crazy
1: I think that there is at least one thing we can agree on, although we seem to agree on most things. Um, Ryan Day fire Greg Schiano and Bill Davis, and Greg Sudrawa. Please, please, God, free us. <laughs> free the genie from the bottle. Get, send, send Greg Schiano anywhere else.
0: <laughs> if we had to pick one out of the three, I think we're both. Bill Davis, if, if one has to go. Um, yeah. Are we going Bill Davis Probably first Probably Bill yeah, Davis, It has yeah. to be.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's got to be Bill Davis. And um, I'm not super sure who his replacement would be. I'd be perfectly fine if they get rid of both and bring in Marcus Freeman to coordinate the defense and to coach the linebackers. Um, I know a lot of people have talked to um, to James Laurinaitis. I might actually have some capital J journalism reporting on that at some point. um, If the linebackers job does come open, so people should be on the lookout for that. But yeah, I, I think Bill Davis is is number one on our shit list.
0: Well, there's going to be a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to look for in the coming minutes, hours. Days, I'm surprised nothing weeks, broke while we were recording minutes. this. Yeah, every, there's there's a lot that's going to happen. I feel like we're going to kind of be status quo. We haven't even talked about the Rose Bowl yet. We we might as well just save our takes because we're already so deep. Yep. End of this one. We'll talk about what it means for the Rose Bowl and all that going forward. Make sure to keep it locked on landgrantholyland.com for all the updated news with what is going to happen with the future of Ohio State football. We'll be around, of course, so subscribe. Go on to Apple Podcasts, search, hang out in the Holy Land. We are there. Leave us a review telling us. That uh, we were mostly right about most of the stuff going on this season, we would really appreciate that.
1: <laughs> we were correct online,
0: <laughs> also, and that's the most important yep. thing in life, Patrick. Online validation over everything, over family, over religion, over we live for this health, shit. <laughs> over well being, we live for it. I want online validation and nothing else. Uh, go to SoundCloud.com slash land to find the show there. And follow us on Twitter. Shoot us questions about this, at HolyLandPod. And you can connect with Patrick and I, at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. And I am at DubsCo. Once again, before we get out of here, I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Going to be a lot of fun talking about this and seeing where it goes forward. So make sure to keep it locked right here on The Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks!